you got your Bible, open it up to the book of Ephesians. We're in the second week of a mini-series. We're just calling Sit, Walk, Stand. And it comes out of the book of Ephesians, the first chapter in the book of Ephesians. The Bible says that we're seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ. So whether you feel like you're seated in heavenly places in Christ right now, I mean, y'all know we don't always wake up feeling that way, but in God's perspective, you're seated with Him right now in heavenly places. In Ephesians 1, it tells us far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, every spiritual wickedness in high places, you're seated far above that right now. I mean, you didn't have to earn that. I mean, I'm glad you didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to go fight no demons. I mean, I know whenever you got saved, you didn't have to get out a sword or nothing and You didn't have to do any of that. You woke up. You got born again. And the moment you got born again, a new reality was yours. And that is you're now seated with him in heavenly places. My son is in church today. Come here, Noble. I'll use you. You're going to get to be Jesus. (laughs) About the next. (laughs) Holla, he says. He says, holla. Don't let it go to your head, son. I'm about to bring you back down. I'll bring you down real quick. There you go. You're seated. You're going to be Jesus for about the next 30 seconds. Let me move this. You're Jesus. And, I, and I'm seated with you in heavenly places. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Every morning, Noble walks down the stairs in his whatever he's wearing. And his hair is all messed up. And I look at him and my hair is all messed up. And our breath stinks. My God. It stinks. Doesn't it, Noble? It's true. It stinks. We got sleep in our eyes and we hadn't done nothing. He just woke up. He comes down the stairs. And without doing a thing, he already knows that I'm there for him. I protect him. I honor him. I love him. I want the best for him. His future, I care about it. Every facet of his life, I'm overseeing and I'm pouring my life into him. I'm investing in him. Everything, if anybody comes in my house to mess with him, I will kill them, right? Whatever it takes. I mean, he just knows that. He just walks in and sits down on the couch or at the bar. Not the bar like you're thinking, but we have a bar at the house. (laughs) And he orders a tall one. No, just kidding. (laughs) He sits down at the house and having not done anything for the day, he is just solid in our relationship. And he knows no matter what he's done and no matter what he will do, I've always got his back no matter what. So that was last week. Last week was us just taking our place, waking up to that reality every day. Sometimes we wake up as Christians and we think, well, I got to earn this and I got to do this and God's not going to like me and he ain't going to love me if I don't do this and if I don't do that. And if I sit, if I mess up, then, then all of a sudden it's all lost. No, noble messes up all the time. Just kidding. But he never doubts. Why? He, just, he, just, he just sits. He just rests. In that, in Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul, he tells the church at Ephesus, he says, you're beloved, you're accepted, you're destined, you're forgiven, you're adopted. That's just the first chapter. And he says, and you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When Adam woke up on the seventh day, God had done all the work. 
He just woke up to that reality. Adam didn't make nothing. God just told him, you take dominion over what I created. And when we get born again, we just wake up to what God did on the cross through Jesus Christ. You, can't, you couldn't earn it if you wanted to. The Bible says if you could, then he died in vain. You, can't, you, you didn't earn nothing. You couldn't earn it. Your blood ain't good enough. Sorry. It's just not. It was bought. You were bought with a price. So last week, we just, we just talked about us waking up and sitting with him in heavenly places. But I did have a couple questions after last week. It's like, well, then what do we do all day? Are we just supposed to float around on clouds and be seated? No, because now you have Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, Ephesians 4, and Ephesians 5. And, and five times in those three chapters, really... Two, am I counting it right? Two, three, four, five. Those four chapters. Five times we have the next word, which is walk. And he says, for you, every Christian needs to start his experience and start his day from a seated position. But how many of y'all know that, that I don't put all of this into noble burns for him to sit on his butt all day? As much as I love him, honor him, respect him, have good things planned for him, I'm pouring my life into him, dragging his little butt to all these little soccer games and all this type of stuff and basketball, all of that, I still don't allow him just to sit there forever. No, I say, now get your butt up. And five times in the middle of Ephesians, we have our second word, which we're going to look at today, is walk. Walk. And he tells us, he says, walk this way. How many of y'all remember that song? Walk this way. Walk this way. Walk this way. Come on, Ann. Talk this way. Come get where you Ann's about to throw it down. Five times, five times he says, this is the way you walk. You start from a seated position, but God didn't, Jesus didn't go through everything that he went through just for you to sit on your butt for the next 40 years and become a big spiritual overly wait you know just sit around and do nothing no he says this is the way walk you in it and he gives us the, the apostle paul he outlines to us five different ways and the first thing i want you to know that word walk there it means to order one's behavior to walk whenever he says walk this way he means order your behavior this way how many of y'all know people are watching us People, people are watching us, and people aren't just listening to us. They're, walk, they're watching us. I mean, I know talk is cheap. I mean, talk is cheap, baby. Talk is cheap. People watch what you do. My mom always had this thing crocheted at her house. How many of y'all remember crochet? That was, saying, that was all the rage back in the 80s. Yeah, framed crochet. Come on, somebody. And it said, uh, it said everywhere you go, tell people about Jesus. When necessary, use words. I love that. I never forgot that. He said, everywhere you go, just tell people about the good news of Jesus. And when necessary, use words. How many of you ever played, uh, like done, any, done something with somebody and they talked about how bad they were going to whoop you? I'm going to whoop you. You wait till we get on the basketball court. Mm. And then you get out there and they can't dribble. Right? They can't. <laughs> they got like a two-inch vertical, right? They're just all yang-yang. They're just all talk. All talk. And how I many of you know sometimes the church has gotten a bad rap for being all talk? That we, we got the shirts and the bumper stickers and we got the, the Christianese and we, we outfit our house from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> man, I'm talking about you go to Hobby Lobby. Everything, man, it's just like everything at Hobby Lobby. It's just like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Shut up! 
bring me my dinner. But they, but they got asked for me in my house. We'll serve the Lord like at their back door, you know. And then the husband's an absolute jerk. And they, they're lousy parents. But, but, but they got the Christian plaque hanging at the back door. How many of y'all know these things ought not be so? And all, these things ought not be so, right? So he gives us five walks. He says, this is the way that you should walk. And walk, walk is posture. And walk is progress. Walk is how is posture is how you carry yourself. My, my daddy always told me, hold your shoulders back, son. I mean, how your daddy ever told you that? Why are you all slumped over? Why are you all slumped over? But you know how you are when you're a teenager. You're just always slumped over. You aren't trying to be slumped over. It's just part of being 15. I don't know. It's like whenever you go through puberty, everything slumps. And you're just like... But if you're a parent, you're always just like, folks, put your, put your, stand up straight, stand up straight. What are you slumped over for? It's like, I don't know. I just am. Well, put your hands back. So it's posture. It's how you carry yourself, but it's also progress. So the two questions that, that I'm asking or that I believe Paul is asking is, is what's your posture? When people look at you, what do they see? You know, how do you carry yourself? And then the other one is progress. Paul's wanting them to progress. If you're walking, you're going somewhere. I mean, I know God wants you to go somewhere. God's not interested in you just staying still. He wants you to go somewhere. I don't want Noble just, I want, I, I want Noble to go somewhere, right? I invest a lot into him. I talk to him a lot, spend a lot of time with him, but I'm expecting him. I'm expecting you this year to be better than you were last year. I'm expecting you to know more this year than you knew last year. He shoots, you know, bows and arrows, uh, compound bows. And, uh, and I'm expecting him to get stronger this year than he was last year. And, and in fact, I help him. He doesn't always know this, but he's about to find out. Uh, I will secretly go and crank his bow down. That's why. He goes, that's why. So I'll secretly go crank his bow down and make it harder for him to pull back. Why? Because he's out there shooting and he, he, it's just too easy for him to draw it back. Well, I, I want that resistance. So I just, when he's not around, I just go crank that bow down. And then he goes to pull it up. He goes. And he's like, what's wrong with my bow? I'm like, nothing, baby. Just keep pulling. <laughs> and then that thing will break over. And then once he breaks over, and then after he gets used to pulling that, why, why am I doing that? Well, because I know he'll be more accurate, and he can go further, and he's got more kill further down range if we can get that thing flying at a faster pace. I mean, I know God will crank your bow down on you. Without you even knowing, you're like, man, what's going on in my life? Why is this? He's just cranking your bow down. Why? Because he knows. He knows. He's expecting progress out of you. He's wanting progress out of you. So, 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 so walking is going somewhere. God wants you to go somewhere. So I want to look at these five walks that, 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 that were given here in the book of, of Ephesians. And we're going to look at the first one. Where's my, here's my iPad. I got that song stuck in my head now. Y'all going to have to bear with me the rest of the message. Y'all pray for me. All right, so the first one is in Ephesians. If you got your Bible, open it up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. This is a famous scripture. We, you've heard this one a lot. You've probably seen this one at the Hobby Lobby. <laughs> For we are God's, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You can go sit down. I'll call you back up here. Your mother wants to sit by you. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has before ordained that we should, what? Walk in them. The 
The first thing, if you have your worship guide, is walk called or walk confidently. He says, the first way I want you to walk is he says, I want you to walk anointed. I want you to walk called. I want you to walk with confidence. He says, you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God's workmanship just means that you're God's handiwork. One translation says you're God's masterpiece. God's been working on you a long time. Some of you maybe just got saved last year and you think, man, but God's been working on you long before last year. You're his handiwork. You're his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works that he predestined or preordained for you to walk in. That just means that you're called. You have an assignment on your life. I'm always trying to tell Noble, you're, you're, not, you're not the career that you choose. And people say, well, I'm a plumber. You're not a plumber. You may, you may do plumbing, but you're, you're destined. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has an assignment on your life, and you're not going to give an account to him for your plumbing. When you stand before God, you're not going to give an account to him for how many cars you sold or, or the, the valves that you watched at the plant. You're going to give an assignment upon what you were called to do. Come on, you, God has an assignment upon all of our life, whether you work at the casino or whether you work at Sassaw. God, you, you are not what you do and you're not what you did. So some people say, well, I'm divorced, or I'm single, or I'm a sinner, or I'm an addict. Listen, that's God. God is always looking at your assignment. He always sees you called, and he wants you to walk called. So what if you're divorced? Wake up and be called. Be confident. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he before ordained that you should walk in them. He's called you to do some stuff. So right out the gate... He says, I want you to know there's a call of God upon your life. I want you to know that there's an assignment upon your life. And he says, and you should have that confidence, right? I'm always trying to put that in my own kids, right? You're not just an 11-year-old boy. You're more than just an 11-year-old boy. The call of God's upon your life. You have an assignment upon your life. I don't care if you're an astronaut or an architect. You are not what you do. You are not what you did. You are called and you're confident you walk in that so I'm putting my little hands on him right? I'm calling I'm blessing you right because that's who he is so the first one is you need to walk called walk confident carry that one the second one the second one is found in Ephesians chapter 4 this one you, in your worship God you write walk in unity I love this he says I therefore this is verse number a one, we're going to read one through six, Paul, Paul writing. He says, I therefore, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I love that. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Everybody say calling. He keeps reaffirming this to him. He says, he's talking to different people. He's not talking to a bunch of preachers. He's just talking to a church full of people just like I'm talking to a church full of people. He's looking at all different careers and he says, but you need to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love. Watch this now. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called. One hope of your calling there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Everybody say one. one. 
How many of y'all know in America right now, we're living in a, a very uh, divi- uh, divisive time in history? I tell you what, I mean, you can't turn on the news without the, the people mad at the police officers or people, you got the, the racism that's just all over the place. There's denominations everywhere, right? There's all of these divisions. Divorce is rampant in our country. Tens of millions of grandparents are now raising their kids' kids. Just huge division. Tens of millions of kids raised without a daddy, right? There is this, but here he says, he says, you'll have to endeavor. He says, I want you to fight for unity. In other words, whenever I'm talking to Noble, it's like, Noble, you are called, you are anointed, you're all of these things, but, but, but life is a team sport. It, I don't care how called you are and how anointed you are, how anointed you think you are, you need people. There is one body and you need to be connected to it. There is one church and you need to be connected to it. And he says, you're going to have to fight for unity. You're going to have to make a united front if you're going to stand. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fight. You have to, you have to, you're going to have to wage war against disunity. And whenever you see dissensions arise within the church, and whenever you see dissensions arise within your nation, and all of this stuff getting stirred up every Everywhere says you need to watch it's not just people stirring it up how many of y'all know it's not just people stirring it up it says no we don't wrestle with flesh and blood all of this racism and stuff it's not just a bunch of white people and black people throwing mud at each other no I can tell you there is an adversary and he hates unity he hates it why, why are churches always splitting and denominations everywhere and divorce everywhere? Why are all these things happening? I'm telling you, we have an adversary. And the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his schemes. And you just have to fight for unity. In this church, you're not going to like every song. You're not going to like every message. You're not going to like the temperature. Can I get an amen? Uh, you're, there's things you may not like all about everything. But I'm telling you, I fight for unity. I fight for it. Why? Because if we walk in unity, nothing is impossible for us. If you look at Babel, Babel, God came down and he said, nothing's impossible for these people. They have one objective and they speak one language and they can do anything. Well, how many of y'all know the enemy knows that? He knows how powerful a husband and wife are. He'll do everything he can. To divide that. Why? Because that division brings discord. It brings disunity. So you'll have to fight. Endeavor to keep the unity. For, 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 for my son here, Noble Burns, you are all that and a bag of chips. But you're going to need people. You need a mama and daddy to whip your butt. I know you don't think so when I'm whipping your butt. But you need this right now. You need a pastor. You need a, a, a go team. You need a small group. You need these things in your life. Why? Because the enemy likes to isolate people and get that little lone sheep over here by himself in the little pity party or they, they offended me. Or he is offense. If you're offended, you know the devil's working on you. He's trying to isolate you so he can eat your guts. He's trying to, right? The Bible says he's a lion and he goes around seeking whom he may devour. He has, but how many of y'all know? Come on, how many of y'all watch, these, watch the animal shows? 
Come on, you watch the animal shows, man. Them herds, they, get, they stay together. And, and the, those animals, they'll, they'll whip them lines unless the one gets isolated. So you have to fight for unity. I don't care how anointed you think you are. You need people. Life is a team sport. It just is. Fight for unity. All right, number three. Third, third walk he gives us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, or agape. Walk in love. How do we do that? He says, as Christ loved us, and he gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This is the third walk that Paul gives us. He says you're going to have to walk in love. And he says he uses the word agape because in the Bible you have agape and you have phileo. Phileo is human love. Agape is God's love. And I don't know if you know this, but human love is different than God's love. Human love changes, right? You love somebody today and hate them tomorrow. Come on, you can, you, can, you can love certain foods. You know, every seven years, your taste buds change. I used to could not stand there's just the smell of turnip greens. Now I go to Leonard's. I say, give me the greens. <laughs> give me the greens and some cornbread. What happened? I turned into my daddy. I don't know. But things change. Phileo, baby. It changes. But he says, walk in agape says, this is a love, and he gives a description for it. He says, love as Christ loved. How many of y'all know the Lord's been good to you? How many of y'all know the Lord's forgiven you? How many of y'all know the Lord's been merciful to you? He says, well, then be merciful with other people. Not only is, is life a team sport, but you're going to have to see other people as more than just commodities. More than just steps for you to get to the top. He says, no, 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 you're going to have to see people the way Jesus saw people. Even nasty, vile people. You know, the guy that shot up all these people in Vegas, you know, Jesus died for him. Jesus died for that man. Something, he, he obviously had a lot of demonic activity. Come on, that just, ain't, that just ain't right. The stuff that you just don't just shoot up a bunch of random people. Without, I'm telling you, there's some, some unusual spiritual things going on in the background of his life and they're on tv trying to figure out we can't figure out a motive i can tell you it's demonic you don't just do that just because you're mad at somebody no i can tell you it's demonic there's something and it's just it's just demonic is, is what it is but you know jesus died for that man jesus died for that man and Jesus died for all of us. We got to love people. And he gives us, I'll give you this because, it's, uh, because people say, well, how do I do that? How do I love people? He says, he says, do it the way that Christ loved you. And then in verse number 31 of Ephesians 4, he says, get rid of, get rid of bitterness, anger, harsh words, and slander. This is how we walk in love. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. I mean, I know we could use a good dose of kindness. No, we don't need any more talk. We need some walk. So be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. I mean, I think this will help a marriage or two. I love it because if you keep reading here, he actually breaks it down. And we don't have time to go into all of it, but he breaks it down. How many of y'all remember that verse? He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. 
and gave himself for it. That's all in Ephesians. We just don't have time to read all of it. And then he says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husband, for he is the head. And then, and then he breaks it down for kids. Ephesians 6, verse 1, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What is the meat, the middle of Ephesians about? Just walking. And then he tells how employers should treat their, their, their employees, how employees should treat their bosses. You didn't know all that was in the middle of Ephesians. What is it? He's just trying to teach these people how to walk, not talk, just walk. Because why? Well, because the Jews were, they were real good at talking. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were real good at making all these rules. They just weren't very good at walking it out at the house, in the cafeteria, at the job. They just weren't that good at walking it out. So he's trying to educate these Gentiles and tell them, say, listen, you're seated, you're anointed, you're called, you're forgiven, you're beloved, you're adopted. But you are not allowed to sit there on your butt and just bask in the beams of Jesus Christ. You got a world to reach. Go out and be salty. And if you aren't salty, then you're worthless. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if a salt loses its savor, it's trampled underfoot. It's just sand. He says, you need to go be the light of the world. Go be salty. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Go into all the world. Boy, there's a lot of go in Jesus sitting there. And then the Apostle Paul, he's just reaffirming. He says, walk in love. Be tenderhearted. Be forgiving. But husbands, do this for your wives. Wives, don't just browbeat your husbands. All the men said, amen. amen. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. <laughs> look, look at his wife. Look at his wife. His wife's like, say it again, Martin. Say it again and see what happens. Say it again. I'll deal with you at the house, Martin. <laughs> get, you getting no supper. Just kidding. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Y'all are the best. Y'all are the best. But there's something to be in the same at home as you are at church. Come on, there's something to be in the same at, at, at work as you, as you are at the church house. And I've told you this before. I've worked for people before that at church, they were as sweet as sugar. And at the job, they were the meanest people I've ever been around in my life. And it's just like you. No wonder the church is seen as hypocritical. I mean, I know there's a bunch of hypocrites outside the church. That's a whole nother, whole nother, that's a whole nother message. All right, the next, the next walk is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness and righteousness and truth. This is the part I want you to underline if you got your Bible. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. So the next walk here, he says, walk in the light. And you say, well, what does that mean? I don't understand what walk in the light. Well, he told you right after that, he says, find out what's acceptable to the Lord. You want to walk in the light? Just find out what's acceptable to the Lord. I mean, I know the Lord will tell you. I love the Bible. It's so plain. He tells you. You don't have to wonder what's acceptable. He'll tell you what's acceptable to him. My daughter Ansley recently started playing soccer. Can I tell you, I don't know nothing about soccer. And I really don't think it's a great sport. Just throwing it out there. It's a little boring to me to watch. I think they should allow biting. <laughs> now that would be a sport. That would be on TV. Can you imagine soccer with biting? Wouldn't that be it? No, because right now they're just like doing them. I'm just saying they need to add something to soccer. Tackle 
or there needs to be something more, and I vote biting. I just think that that would be really entertaining to watch if we had that. But I'm just saying something. But anyway, so she's doing this soccer thing, and I don't know anything about the rules. And my daughter, she doesn't know anything about the rules either, right? And most of the kids don't. They're just out there kicking each other, right? They're just out there kicking the fire out of each other. And the, the ref guy, he blows the whistle, and he'll put up a flag, and either it's like a red flag or a yellow flag or a green flag. I don't know what any of those flags are. And Noble, uh, Ansley doesn't know what any of that stuff is, but she's had to learn the rules of that game. And if she wants to be competitive in that game, if she wants to win at that game, she has to learn, the, she has to learn what's acceptable. And once you learn what's acceptable, then you can win. You can compete. And if you want to walk in the light, he says, just find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Just find out. If you want to walk in, and he says, and then once you find out what's acceptable to the Lord, then don't, don't go back into darkness. Don't live in the light on Sunday and then go in the dark on Monday. He says, if you want to walk in the light, just stay in the light. He says, don't have any fellowship with it. And, 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 and the, the beauty of us walking in the light is we have purpose because we know where we're going. Come on, if I turn all the lights off in this room, no, no, you, if, if you aren't familiar with where you are, I mean, I'll know you don't know where you're going. But with light, you have purpose. With light, you have direction. I mean, I know there's a lot of Christians that they have the light in them, but they don't walk in the light, and they just wander around aimlessly in the dark. They're just in total darkness. So he says, find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Walk in the light. Last one. Walk in wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5. Last walk he gives us. He says, see that you walk circumspectly. That word circumspectly, it literally means walk like you're walking in thorns. How many ever walked through thorns before? How many of know how you walk? Very carefully. <laughs> how many ever got caught in a thorn patch before? It's just like, you're just frozen in time. You're just like, and you put, right? Circumspectly just means walk carefully. Walk. And he breaks it down. He says, Don't, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is for you. Understand what the will of the Lord is for you. And don't be drunk with wine, which is in dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. What I want you to see here is the correlation between understanding time and wisdom. Understanding time and wisdom. He says, don't be un unwise. Understand time. How many of y'all know life is short? Now, if you're 11, like Noble, he thinks, the, he thinks time schmime, right? Time schmime. But how many of y'all know I'll be 40 in a couple of weeks, and it's not time schmime anymore. Now, how many of y'all know if you're 70, it's certainly not time schmime. How many of y'all know life Life goes by real quick. The older you get, the faster it goes. Kids grow fast. Careers go by fast. Things go by quick. And he says, don't be unwise. Walk in wisdom, understanding time. And don't get drunk. Or in other words, don't get intoxicated with the things of this world. Why? Because whenever you get intoxicated, you lose time. You lose, you just, you just, you just aren't as sharp. So he says, uh, and how many of y'all know you can be intoxicated on a lot of stuff? He calls it wine here, but I mean, you can be intoxicated on social media, right? 
I've seen your accounts. Just kidding. You can be, in, you can be intoxicated with Netflix. How many of y'all got your show? How many of y'all say, I'm going to watch one more episode, and at 4 a.m., you're on season three, and you're just like, and then you got to go to work the next morning, right? And you are like the zombie you've been watching for the past 19 hours. It's just, you are walking dead. You just became, it was prophetic. You, you've, you fulfilled the prophecy of your life. You are the walking dead now. But he says, if you're wise, you understand time, and you understand that you're eternal beings, you're an eternal being. You serve an eternal God. And you're going to step over into eternity. And the verse I'll give you. And I thought about this. James chapter 4 verse 14. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while. And then it's what? Gone. So he says, walk in wisdom. Just keep that reality of Life is short. Now, there's one last thing I'm going to give you because he gives us five walks, but he gives us one don't walk. There's one other thing I want to show you before I close because he says walk in the spirit or or he says walk in love, walk in unity. He gives us these fives, but he gives us one don't walk. He says don't walk like this. And I love this because lots of times as Christians, we're always trying not to do things. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm trying not to cuss. I'm trying not to cuss. I'm trying not to eat that cupcake. It is calling my name. I wake up in the middle of the night and all I think about is that cupcake. And I find myself down there leaning over the sink, eating that cupcake. And milk is in my chest hair and it's really bad. And it's just like, it's horrible. We find ourselves as Christians trying not to do stuff. We spend five times as much stuff trying to do, not do stuff as we do trying to do stuff. But here he says, if you'll concentrate on what you're supposed to be doing, you won't worry about what you're not supposed to be doing. So you, it's not a struggle. You don't have to fight not to do things. If you'll walk in unity, walk called, walk uh, confidently, walk in love. If, you, if you'll walk that way, you don't have to worry about all the things you can't do. Just walk the way he told you to walk. But he did give us one. He says, don't walk like this. And I'm going to give you this. The last thing I'll give you. And this is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. He says, this I say and testify the Lord that you should no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind. They have their understanding darkened. And they've been alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that's in them and because of the blindness in their heart. I want you to know he's speaking to Christians here. And he's saying, you guys, you're Christians. He says, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. He says, their mind's messed up. He says, that they've, that they're, not, they're, they're ignorant. I mean, I know God doesn't want you to stay ignorant. Come on, I'm always telling nobody. I say, hey, man, you, you don't, we, don't, we don't walk like everybody else walks. Yeah, but my friends. Uh, yeah, I like them. They're good kids. But we don't walk like them. We don't talk like them. We don't act like them. We're different from them. But they get to watch. I, I know. I know. And I love you. And I'll bring you uh, to do some other fun stuff. But we ain't doing that. We don't walk in the future. Right? We, we, because, but they're Christians. They go to church. They don't go to my church. Because I call them out on that. No, sir. We don't, we, don't, we don't walk like that. We don't live like that. And now watch. Because I want to read this. Verse 17. This is really, really good. I'm I'm closing with this. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. This is another translation. 
He says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander from the life God gives them. I can't tell you how many people I've seen that get saved, even get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they wander from the life that God gave them. How many of y'all know anybody like that? They just, I can tell you, and you'll be tempted to. You'll be tempted. You'll walk real good for three months, six months, a year, even five years. I know people that used to teach Sunday school, and their kids are very disappointed. They say, my daddy used to teach me at Sunday school, and now we don't even go to church. How do you go from that? He says, well, they just wander from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds, and they've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Woo! We spend another month right there. You were created to be like God. You mean whenever I get to heaven? No, sir. I mean, right now, you're created to walk out of this place and be like God. That's the way. That's the way. Well, we stay there for a while, but we won't. Put on your new nature. He says, uh, that isn't what you learn. You're created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy stop telling lies let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while you're still angry anger gives a foothold to the devil and we're going to talk about this next week about how to stand against the enemy sit walk stand you can't stand against the enemy till you learn how to sit and you learn how to walk ephesians 6 we learn how to stand I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not going to be here. But the next week, whenever I come back. Anyway, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. You wouldn't think you'd have to tell Christians this. Isn't that sad? This is what he's preaching to Christians. He's like, hey, guys, why don't y'all quit stealing? Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. Get a job. Scrub. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved in the day of redemption. The last one, He says, don't walk. Don't walk like you used to walk. He says, put on the new man. How do you put on the new man? I believe one of the best ways you put on the new man is by getting your mouth going the right direction. I believe you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm called. I'm anointed by God. God's called me. The call of God's upon my life. He's got things preordained for me to walk in them. And I love people. And I need the church. And I need overseers. I need people in my life. And, 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 and go through these walks. And then just walk it out. Don't talk it out. Just walk it out. Go out and be the light. Be the salt. And this is what Paul is trying to get through us to Ephesians. He says, man, you're all that. You're all of that. But there's stuff to do. People are watching. <laughs>